Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, if we didn't want to start out depressed, we've already talked about uh, the social credit system coming. Why don't we? Why don't we hit that again? Where where we just uh, what what we were just talking about? Oh, we're talking about the uh, the. If you don't follow, I don't even know if it's even on mainstream media at all. The fall of the dollar. Is that even being reported? So I think one of us is going to have to like draw the short straw per week and like try to actually watch some sort of mainstream news because you know how many times we get to this point in the podcast where we're like, I haven't seen that in mainstream media. Me neither. And then we're like, well, have you watched any mainstream media? Well, no. So I haven't seen anything. Yeah. But so. yeah, the fall of the dollar, the Nigerian, was it Nigerian president? The, uh that's that's one of them yeah I, I believe it was the nigerian president standing up in front of his uh, in front of his people saying that if you hold american dollars get rid of them because in weeks it's going to be useless oh which yeah, yep. that's a little exaggeratory um let's be realistic you know trillions of dollars of trade is still done in the american dollar so that's what keeps it uh the most stable of any currency it doesn't mean that it is perfect 
but it is the most stable as far as a realistic world trading currency. Um, but when you when you look at what the what the American dollar used to buy versus what the American dollar can buy now, I mean that, and that's really what inflation is, right? It means that I used to be able to buy you know the groceries that I needed for a week for a hundred dollars for a family of four, and now that same amount of groceries now cost me a hundred and fifty dollars. So that means that that you know that dollar has lost thirty three percent of its purchasing power, and those are those are all arbitrary numbers. I just you know made that up, but. When you talk, when you see a, an inflation number, and, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that that's what that that's what that number means. That number means it, it's the purchasing power of your dollar. Yeah. The so what's happening right now is um, to use a geopolitical economy summary. It's what countries are moving away from the U.S. dollar, right? So, so China and Russia are trading in their own. They've agreed to trade in their own currencies, and then Beijing and Brazil. And uh, most of the nations in this uh, BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, if you look it up, yep. have agreed to drop the dollar in bilateral trade. So meaning these companies or these countries will be trading between each other now using the um, the Chinese or using their own currencies or majority are using uh, the Chinese uh, yuan, Y-U-A-N. Um, United Arab Emirates, U-A-E, in other words, uh, they're... Basically now selling fuel to China in the yuan um, through a French company. So Southeast Asians decide they also dump the U.S. dollar to promote their own local payment system. So it's <clears throat> like we talked a little bit about. It's it's little chunks at a time that if if you look at the footprint of BRICS and it's it's kind of a it's ominous because Mexico just joined as well. So the U.S. is a superpower. <clears throat> I know we uh, like to hold on to it and say, hey, there's not going to be an issue. I think it'll be, it's little steps chipping away at our uh, superpower status. And um, so, so part of today, the second part of today's podcast is going to kind of get into this too, but we are causing more detrimental effect from the inside than the outside could ever cause if we were a unified functional powerful country right so if you think about this it's like um it's like it's like a sci-fi movie where you're like where you have a big force field right and that's yeah. and that's what the united states used to be is it used to be this 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 big amazing force field and it and it was it didn't matter what what anybody else was was trying to do to the outside if they were they were firing you know rockets at you and and trying to take you down and trying to you know reduce your footprint and trying to do all this shit and it was like that was fine, but in every movie, when you're when you got somebody that's trying to that's trying to get into the into the country or into the the spaceship with the force field, what do you got to do? You got to get the shields down, you know. Yeah. And and re- realistically, that's what that's what we've either we've done it to ourselves, or um, the people who want the power in this world in this one world government have done it, you know, five steps away and done it to us. But we have we've completely destroyed what made America strong, but not necessarily looked at America and went, oh, we're going to make you weak. We looked at, you know, from the outside, they looked at America and went, what makes you strong? How do we, you know, destroy the things that make the things that make America strong? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what, that's what they've done. And, and part of that is the, part of that is the nuclear family, um, which I, I started getting into a book called, um, 
oh, socialism, the nation of fatherless children, I believe. And it was, it was published in 1996. And what, what this book does is this book basically points out all the things that trying to figure out where the hell this, all right, here it is. So basically arguing that, that feminism and socialism, uh, seek to replace the role of the father with the state, right? So the government, basically daddy government. And when you do that, you, you get rid of all of the things that come from a father and you replace the dependence on the nuclear family to the dependence on the state. And in a theory, that's really what socialism is, right? It's taking, it's taking independence and building independence away from the family and making the dependent on the on the country. Yeah. On the state, yeah. Or government. So, and, I mean, China's been playing a long game. So, you know, there's a lot of it's not even conspiracy theory, but everybody thinks that well, if there's going to be a World War 3, it's going to be, you know, nukes and, you know, conventional war and everything. It it hasn't. China's been playing this long game and I know there's all this talk, you know, between I think when Trump was elected, and, you know, with with Biden, who's you know conspiring with China, but you can see from, you know, hopefully you don't call me conspiracy theorists on this one, but these are China's already got their hooks on most of the politicians. So when you see that the actions that are being done, China's long game was to destroy the Western world. A lot, a lot of um, Europeans, you know, obviously in Asia, there's there's some I, I don't want to say bad blood, but a lot of people look at oh look at those Westerners you know they really I don't know if it's out of jealousy or whatnot they don't like the Western world and they want to see it fall. Well, I think I think part of it is part of it is is seeing our gluttony when you see someone that's probably yeah true. when you when you see someone that is overly gluttonous. And if you look at a country and you're like, look at, look at the shit, look at what they do. Look at what they do with their time. Look at how they spend their money. Do you really need 17 different kinds of potato chips in an aisle? No, no, you don't. That's the weird thing is like, if I, if I put my big nationalist American cap on, I'm like, man, that's fucking freedom, right? If I want to choose these potato chips, I'll choose these potato chips. But then when I put on my realistic, like my, my realistic, let's say call it my purple hat, right? Because they're, cause both sides are fucking insane. When I put on my realistic purple hat, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but the fact that the fact that you are spending your time and your energy and your, your dopamine on all these useless fucking things, all that, all that's doing is keeping you numb. Now, why, why would we want to keep, why would we want to keep a population, you know, for the, for the lack of a better wheel running on a, running on a, or lack of a better term running on a, on a rat wheel, right? Well, because the powers that be are profiting on the energy created or the money, let's say created from that rat wheel. Oh yeah. And what happens if, what happens if all of us just jump off that rat wheel and we're like, you know what? I don't need to spend this much money a month on this and this much money on this and this much money on this. Because if I look at the actual cerebral, mental, emotional benefit that I'm getting from this shit, it does not outweigh the energy that I'm putting in to, 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 to get it. Right. So then what happens when we all jump off that wheel? Man, shit goes. The economy goes from $14 trillion to $10 trillion, 30, cost by 33%. And then all of a sudden, you know, 
That means you got to live on 33% less. That's fucking scary. Yeah. Is it? Then that's the weird thing. That's, <laughs> that's really the argument. Is, is it good it? for you? That's the argument, right? Is, is it? If, you, if I told you you had to live on 33% less, is that scary? Oof. If I had to live on 33% less to know that the country is going to be more stable, um, my, my kids are going to have a, a more emotionally and mentally better outcome for their lives. They're going to, they're going to be able to find um, happiness in, in what they are providing and in the, in the time that they're spending with people versus what they're consuming. Fuck, then it's really easy to say, all right, we can do that. Yeah. But we become such gluttons, and I think, yeah, you hit a point. That's probably why they they hate us, and you know they've spent a lot of energy and effort over the years to basically get us uh, from the inside. But and man, there's something happening. badass about jumping behind the wheel of a fucking Dodge, you know, SRT demon that's a thousand horsepower because the government said you can't make these anymore from the <laughs> EPA, and the and the fucking CEO of Dodge is like, well, take this government, I'm gonna shove it up your ass with a thousand horsepower fucking production car, right? That runs on you know, 104 octane. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like there's something awesome about that too. But that's different than the, you know, the, the drone that sits in front of the TV and, you know, is absorbing, getting this dopamine fix with a bag of chips and, you know, Oreos on the side. Yeah, it, it is different. Is it any better? I don't fucking know. It is for me because I'm going to enjoy that thing way more than I'm going to enjoy fucking unlimited bags of potato chips and ice cream. <laughs> But but that's my right. That, yeah. That's my drug of choice. Are you, are you exercising your mind? Oh, actually, yeah. I mean, depends on how fast you're driving, right? <laughs> well, you got to build it. Well, Dodge built it. Oh, Dodge built it. You're talking to somebody just that's a production it and drive. Yeah. It, so, right? you, do you know the story behind that car? Uh, I do know about it. Yeah. So, so the EPA basically, you know, the EPA is cracking down on the overall, you know, um, emissions, right? Yeah. And so I, I believe that that's the reason that Dodge is no longer going to be able to make the Demon, um, which the Demon, you know, up until now has been a 700 horsepower, 650 horsepower Challenger. It's, it's amazing. It's an awesome car, right? Yeah. Like Dodge is the last one with their fingers in the air going, fuck you. Right. Like everybody else yeah. is like, hey, we'll make this, you know, GM's like, we'll make this Corvette. It's mid engine. It's amazing. It's, you know, it's a, it's a gorgeous, like lamborghini knockoff for one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, right yeah dodge is like you know what muscle cars fuck you well and they had the because of emissions i believe they have to stop making this so this is like going to be the last production year yeah so they made one one of the models that is a thousand horsepower production car that they're only making so many of that has to run on like 105 race fuel or alcohol or something insane and it'll be, I mean, it'll be the highest horsepower production oh, car ever. Sounds like a Mad Max story. I mean, realistically, there's nothing Jeez. you can do with that. I mean, that, but that's the, that's the American spirit. I know. Versus the, the drone that's in front of a television set. It's kind of like, um, you know, there's a movie out now called uh, Air. Oh, is, I heard about that. So it's the Air Jordan, uh, you know, the Nike story with how Nike got hold of Michael Jordan. And it, it's, it's a great story without spoiling it. It's, um. You know, Michael Jordan was initially, he was tied to Adidas. That's where he wanted to be. Yeah. And he didn't give Nike the time of day. And Nike had like a 20% share of the basketball shoe market. Like it was all Adidas and Converse. Yeah. And what the marketing groups are trying to do for all of the, you know, for all the different brands were, okay, what are the three top, you know, basketball players that we can get? Well, Nike was, had a very small budget to get um, somebody or to get three people. So they're looking down the chart saying, well, why don't we get, you know, 
this person, this person, this person. They may not be as popular, but at least they'll wear our brand, right? Yep. Well, the kind of the genius behind it said, you know, I'm going to go all in and we really need to get, you know, Michael Jordan. And the story of just what he thought about Jordan is just, it's amazing. But what I'm getting to in the story is when they created the first prototype, they're like, well, all these basketball shoes look alike. I don't know if you remember back in the day, all the freaking basketball shoes are what? They're all white. Yeah, I definitely don't remember, but. They're all white. Okay. And maybe they Fair. had like little hints, you know, there was like one basketball shoe that you could like buy the logo in different colors and a Velcro, a different, you know, color logo on there, depending okay. on how you feel during the day. But they were so white. Well, the uh, first Air Jordans that came out, if you notice, had a lot of color on them. Okay. And. The reason that they put a lot of color on there is because they wanted the shoe to stand out from any of the other shoe. Makes sense. But the issue that they had was the NBA didn't allow much, you know, you couldn't have X amount of percent of color in the shoe. So how Nike got Michael Jordan and was like, hey, we're creating this one-of-a-kind shoe because we believe you're the one-of-a-kind player. And what we're going to do is we're going to pay all the fines for you for wearing that shoe. And that's eventually how everything evolved out of that that one rule of, you know, you can only have X percent of color in your shoe was Nike making that bold statement as a, we're going to, you know, F you, we're just going to do it and pay the fine. And that's thinking outside the box, right? Like, yeah. like, yes, it's illegal to do that, but what are the consequences? Are you willing to suffer the consequences to get to, to get to your main goal? And that's a weird one when you start to think about that. Like, I like... I don't necessarily want my kids thinking of, thinking that way, right? Like right now, like right. It's a weird. It's a weird Let's one. Break every rule yeah. again. Just find one and break yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird one. But like that that is the next level. That is the next level of thought. Is like, you know, if 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 there's a if there's a law that's in place, that is stopping you from achieving something that you think is you know the next most important step in your life, then then what happens? I know I just. You ever watch Mandalorian? Yeah. Okay. So there's a recent episode where um, the New Republic uh, was had, had taken all of these people from from the the Darth Vader group. I don't remember what what his group was. The Imperials. The Imperials. Yeah, had yeah. Taken all these Imperial people and had 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 made them made them better and and rehabilitated them. Right. But there's there's one bad actor who is still very much Imperial, but she is the 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 poster child for the new republic because she is so over the top fake that they they think she's amazing right and this scientist comes in who was imperial but he wasn't really like he didn't bleed the blood of imperial he was just working for an imperial ship and he comes in and they put him through all this rehabilitation and he is he's working now for the new republic as a scientist and she does not want him to bring his extreme level of knowledge and intelligence to the new republic so what does she do? She talks him into continuing to do his initial research, which is illegal under the New Republic law, saying, yeah, yeah. saying, if you if you know that this is what's right, then then you have to do it. They will understand when you bring them the results and you can show them the results. They will understand you owe this to the New Republic. And then she's just setting him up. The whole thing is she, she's setting him up, but he he falls for it. Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I can. If I bring this amazing new tech to the new Republic, they'll see that I'm really rehabilitated. And then he's in the middle of trying to get all the science equipment to keep doing his research. And she fucking throws him under the bus and, and then she kills him basically brain numbs him by, by putting him through, you know, rehab. Yeah. 
but it's just it, it it's crazy when you think about the fact that like you can kind of justify anything to yourself if you have the greater goal of yourself or your family or the greater goal of 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 society which i think is where a lot of people on the on the left come from is they have justified to themselves a lot of this ridiculous shit that they're doing as far as globalization because they're convinced that without globalization we are going to destroy the planet it's going to fall into non-repair but yeah. they're completely negating and i think the right does the same thing is they're completely negating the thousands of other options right yeah no i mean i can't say much more of that yeah <laughs> it's um how do we even get on this we we're, we're we got deep onto this one. Anyways. We're talking about the, I think the. Uh, oh, the collapse of the dollar. Collapse of the dollar, yes. So, do you think that? Do you think that the world trading in the American dollar is on its way out? Uh, I think basically what they're. This is all tied into the WEF. It's tied into um, gosh, what was the APEC summit that was just happening? The there's a strong, strong, strong push for the one world uh, currency. Yep. And which will which will be the basis of globalization. Yep. And the scary part about it is they're gonna start introducing here in America I don't know when, um, the C B D C which is a central banking digital currency. And what scares me about it is, you know, this is infrastructure that was already done in China and Hong Kong. And that's we talked about the social credit system before, which I think people now have heard of. Explain to everyone Explain to everyone how that works and then how, how basically the talking heads are thinking that that will be implemented worldwide. So how the social credit system works is, so we're technically already doing, I mean, we're digital banking. I mean, everything is on the chip on your card or whatnot. So, or if you know what Apple cash is, you're using it on your phone. So what that does is technically, if you think about it, you don't have liquid dollars. You're not walking into a store with, you know, $1,000 bills and buying stuff. Basically, it's you have X amount in your account that you can look up online and it's like, oh, I got $1,000 in, in my bank account here. And then go into a store, you buy what you need, you leave. You use mass transit with it, you leave. You um, go do whatever that needs a transaction, boom. You just, you pay for it with that. It deducts from your account and that's it. And then when you get your paycheck, what happens? Most of us, I think most companies push it as a direct deposit. So we don't handle, you know, actual cash anymore. So what the what they're pushing towards going to is the CBDC. So the central banking digital currency may not be as equated to as dollars. Um I've seen it over in Asia where it's more more like credits, you know, you have a hundred credits. You use your hundred credits to go buy a five credit donut and a five credit, you know, Starbucks latte or whatever. So what happens though is that it is also controlled not just by the bank, but the government could also control that and say, well, okay, Paul said something on the podcast that pissed us off in March of 2021. So what we're going to do is punish him. By punishing him means, well, he's not allowed to buy X amount of meat this week. Or he's not allowed to 
use the bus or mass transit this week because that was the one thing I know my my mother was worried about is oh well if there's um she says something wrong on social social media because if you look at some of the recent legislation that's come through I'm going to tie this together is um they're trying to allow the government to um analyze and tell you what social media platforms are good for you and I forgot it's that title or what number it's that a TikTok ban, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens in China, so that you understand, is there really is one um, social media platform they allow for interaction, and it's called WeChat. And even the Instagram and the little bit of Facebook that they do allow, which is a little bit, um, everything runs through the government VPN, which means it goes through their servers which means all that data that passes through there runs through the algorithm and anything that is off of what they deem is acceptable will be flagged and it'll be flagged directly to your account. And it's likely, it's likely stored yes. so that they can go back and search all of it. If anything were to come up in the future and you know, you said something, then they could go back and be like, Oh, well you also said this, this and this on these dates. Yeah. And that's where I get in conversations with people and they're like, yeah, the government doesn't really. Why would they care about somebody like me? Well, they don't. I mean, it, we've talked about AI on here before. I mean, if you're talking artificial intelligence based on algorithms, government doesn't really have to care about you. All they know is that they've collected your data, and if there's just one thing that's off in their algorithm or one thing that's adjusted, that, oop, guess what? Paul did this, you know, seven years ago, and that's not acceptable to, you know, what our, our mission is. So therefore, Paul doesn't get the right to do this or buy this, or they've gone as bad as locking people in their homes or in their apartments. So, and have taken property away. So it's, uh, um, I know it sounds crazy, but it's already being done overseas. And there's a lot of setup that's happening here, a lot of infrastructure to allow that to happen. And, and as, a, as Americans, as, you know, 40-year-old, 50-year-old Americans, we're like, that's insane. That would never happen. But I challenge you to ask a 16- or 17-year-old about their privacy. Ask them about, their, about their, their data. Ask them about what they would feel comfortable um, the government having. And they are, they're, it's a totally different mentality. They're completely okay with all of, their, of all of their information, all of their content, all of their bank accounts, all of that stuff being basically public knowledge, not for, not for their friends to know, but for, you know, for daddy government to know. And they're, they're totally okay. The, the skepticism for power is almost completely gone. Yeah. That scares me. Yeah. I mean, but they, they feel that they can suck off the government teeth because the government's, you know, allowed so many avenues for that to happen. And it's, it's not very far-fetched. I mean, I look at, um, there's a building going up in town. I think we brought it up before that reflects a lot of the i mean it's not as many floors but reflects a lot of what i've seen over overseas where they've established these what's called you know 15 minute cities so what that allows you to do is you can be you know basically have surveillance on you these are heavily surveilled um uh, facilities if you look at that that one building that's gone up do you see any balconies in there Everything's internal, right? And it's like, it looks like it's like one, they're almost like dorm rooms. They look like they're one on top of each other. And what does it advertise as? Advertises as uh, affordable housing. Affordable housing. 
huge banner sitting in front of it. So it basically keeps people within like five minutes of, you know, where you need to be. Hey, all your stores are here. You have grocery stores, you have restaurants here. It keeps the hamsters in the cage, so to speak. Yeah, and an- another thing people don't necessarily think is, they, they think it's sci-fi. They think it's something that would never happen, but it is happening right now in the big cities of China is they have they have access to all the cameras. So every business that has closed circuit TV cameras, every fucking, every traffic light, every, you know, restaurant, every, everywhere has cameras. And, and what they have is they have facial recognition software. So if you're, if you jaywalk, if, if you jaywalk and the camera in front of the gas station that you jaywalked in front of to go buy a soda, right? If that camera catches you, recognizes your face because of facial recognition software, that's all of a sudden a checkpoint because you've broken a law. Yeah. And I mean, there's gigabytes and gigabytes of data stored for each person. So if you think that, oh, I'm just insignificant, well, you know, the government isn't looking at it and it's like, ooh, look at Paul. We better watch out for him. They're not. They're just basically, it's whatever the algorithm triggers. It's like, oh, well, I guess we can, you know, control them there or we can find them there or we can take some credits out of your bank account. So you no longer own your own bank account. The government owns that. And you know what the World Economic Forum, you know, what, what their big thing is? You Eventually you're going to own nothing and be happy. Oh, yeah, we talked about that a few times. Right when it, right when it first came out, we talked about that. Yeah, that was... And and the thing is, is when I look at the younger generations, I'm like, I think that they're fucking, they're on their way. They're okay with that. They like it. I mean, they've been indoctrinated well. So, you know, this isn't stuff that's hidden. This is stuff that if you actually, you know, just Google it, it's there. It exists. It's happening. So, you know, we're not wearing a tinfoil hat. It's just, you know, you got to be prepared or like Paul's wearing a hat that says expect to self-rescue. At this point, I think you have to, you know, turn your brains on, figure out what's going on here. Things are moving fast. Yeah, things are moving really fast, and we are we are an old guard. And instead of us being a very uh, alert and ready and open old guard, we are an old guard that is completely blindsided not even blindsided, that's not the right word, um, distracted with a bunch of really dumb shit. We're completely distracted and separated and uh, arguing about ridiculous shit on social media. Yeah. And there is no ability to focus on one central task because we're all over the place. The left, the right, the center, all of us, we're all over the place. We, we're yeah. We're... We're, we're kept distracted 100% of the time. Do you remember when we talked about when the, the World Economic Forum um, and their, their agriculture policies and the Netherlands was going to start to implement their agriculture policies? Do you remember that? Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen this, um, after, shit, we're at 28 minutes already. After this, I promise we'll get into the meat of the podcast. <laughs> um, so the World Economic Forum, one of their big things is for sustainability and for longevity of Earth, they have a bunch of agricultural policies that they want to try to implement. And their agricultural policies that they want to try to implement have to do with um, certain fertilizers, nitrogens. You can't use uh, each farm or farm family can only have so many head of animals. You can only do so much. It's basically basically making it so that unless you're a giant, you know, Monsanto style, huge farm operation, there, you, can't be, you can't be profitable. You can't really support your family and pay for your land anymore. And what the idea there is, is 
Um, they'll tell you that it's because they want to crack down on the waste. They want to crack down because if, if, if they needed to go in and, and regulate one giant farm operation, it'd be a lot easier than regulating a thousand little farm operations. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but what the outcome is, whether it's on purpose or not, is it makes it so that the thousand farm families have to sell to one giant conglomeration because otherwise they're, they're basically going to go under anyways. Yeah. And, uh, and how they do this is, is they don't force you to implement this stuff. What they do is, they um, back financial loans and back credit systems and a ton of stuff for small countries so that then when you want to get their, their, their grants and their funding and their financing, you have to implement this stuff. So the prime minister or president, I'm not exactly sure how the Netherlands system works, um, started implementing this stuff and mentioned that they were, they were going to start implementing this. And this was last year or the year before. And there was a giant uproar because the Netherlands is kind of like the grain belt in the United States. It's, it's majority farmers. Yeah. And the farmers started absolutely going insane protesting. I mean, there was thousands and thousands of tractors going up and down the streets at five miles an hour in, the, in every single big town. And they, they, made, they made their presence known. They made it known that they were not going to have this. They made it known that this was not okay. They made it known that, that, that the world was trying to take over. Netherland family farms and, 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 and here's where this gets fucking awesome. And, and I, I wish that, I wish that more, more Americans had the balls to do what these farmers did in the Netherlands is they created their own political party. It's a, it's an agricultural based, basically anti big government political party. And you know what they just did in the most recent election took the majority of their Senate seats. Oh, really? Well, their political party is now the, the, the party at power in their Senate. Hmm. Yeah, so, so they went that. to the core of how to make sure that this, that this changes don't get implemented. And that's what we need in the United States. But we're too, we're too fucking worried arguing about all the little stupid shit that they, that they put in front of us yeah. to, ever, to ever get on the same page and say, you know what? We may not all agree that you know, transgenderism is, is, a, is a disease or whether it's a you know, real mental state. Uh, you know, but guess what? You know, what we do fucking agree with, we agree with the fact that the United States dollar is going to stay our, you know, judgment currency that we use for every single item. And we are not going to go to a digital currency and we are not going to allow outside, um, globalist agenda to start closing down family businesses in the United States, but we don't have the balls to get together and do that shit. No, they have a third party. or the organization. I mean, we have the people. That could do it, but you got to have the balls to, you know, form that third party and say, hey, we're taking over. And it's got to be all done in one clean sweep because otherwise all it does is if you slowly implement it and start to, you know, start to piecemeal it together, it takes just enough votes from the people that are kind of on that side. Yeah. And makes the really ridiculous people win. That's what happened with Ross Perot, you know, with, yeah. with the third party in the, in the 90s. But the government and the media will be will have enough time to break it up. Yeah. All right, should we actually get into some podcast meat? Podcast meat? I don't know. You got a couple of things on here. <laughs> you like my notes? <laughs> yeah. Well, so when, when we were talking, um, excuse me, when we were talking with, with Dr. Sheila Carroll, and she mentioned that, oh, shit, I water over. It was closed. Thank God. <laughs> False alarm. Um, when we were talking with Dr. Sheila Carroll, and she started mentioning the hormonal effects on, on weight management, basically, and body composition. Um, and how she's starting to finally see this come into 
to mainstream medicine. I thought that that was absolutely astonishing because I have known most of this for seven to 10 years now. A lot of this initial research has been done for 15 years, but that's how slow something like this is to kind of actually take a foothold and get into the actual medicine because these are these doctors are not oblivious to this information on purpose. Doctors go where their heads are pointed and there's nobody for this kind of there's no one for this kind of information that is saying doctors you need to look at this but you know who there is people for saying doctors you need to look at this drugs and bariatric surgery and all and and processed foods and the sugar industry and all this they all have very strong lobbies that say doctors look at this doctors look at this there's no lobby that is looking at this kind of information that we have right here and saying hey step back let's take a look at this this is what this is what the um the Surgeon General. This is kind of this is their fucking job. Oh, you're talking about that <clears throat> weird one. Yeah, that we got now. I am. The um, but the issue is, so this has come up now, and I guess I'm skeptical because does that mean somebody found some way to make money off this? No, I think that this is like in anything, the cream eventually rises to the top. You think so? Yes, I think that it's long, it's arduous. But I think that you can only snowball facts for so long before the facts finally make their way through. And I think this is slowly the facts starting to kind of bubble up. It's not, it's definitely not through yet all the way, but it's starting to bubble up. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to break down the main, the main hormones that she was talking about. Because when she said, you know, there's hormones that have effect on weight management and, and body composition, you know, we, I know what that means, but the majority of people that are listening to this podcast have no fucking idea what that means. So hormones are basically just a signaling molecule inside the body. They are mostly created internally, although there can be some hormones given um, externally by doctors. uh, But otherwise, these things are all created internally. They are created from a ton of different areas inside the body, and they all have a ton of different tasks. And not none of them have just one job our body is so synergistic but i I tried to break this down to a to a mostly understandable you know 500 foot view so the first one is leptin leptin is a is a hormone created by fat cells it plays a role in regulating appetite and metabolism so when fat cells um healthy fat cells release leptin in the bloodstream it signals the brain to decrease appetite and increase metabolism So what that means is when you've eaten enough food and your fat cells are, or if you have a healthy level of fat cells, your cells say, all right, we're loaded. We're full of, we're full of extra calories here. Okay. So it's basically a big, like stop sign for eating and a big green sign for energy creation and metabolism because metabolism, that's what we're talking about. We talk about metabolism is energy creation. So our body says, Hey, we're good. Go ahead and use this energy that we have stored, okay? And so what happens is either from genetic mutations, from obesity, from, impl- from inflammation, from sleep deprivation. How many people do you know that do not sleep enough? They're like, I'm fine. I'll sleep when I'm dead, I right? A lot, yeah. Sleep deprivation. And then there are some medications, some other things that can affect leptin levels. When, when these things cause 
leptin levels to basically always be extremely high because you have so much fat or you're creating so much more leptin for the fat, your, your brain and your body becomes leptin resistant. So then you need to make more leptin to cause the same stop and go effect and more leptin to cause the same stop and go effect. And what happens is, is as we become more leptin resistant, more re leptin resistant, the brain stops responding to leptin signals, which says basically our hunger keeps going. We keep eating, which means overeating. And our body does not get that green go sign for creating energy. So when somebody, when you see somebody that is, you know that they don't eat 10,000 calories a day because there's a lot of people like this. They eat a normal, you know, 2,500 calories a day, but they just don't lose any weight. They're always lethargic. They don't feel like doing anything. And we look at them and say, you just, you just got to get up and start moving. It's pretty likely that their hormones are so fucked up that they have zero interest in getting up and moving because their, their leptin is not telling their body to create energy. And so there's no extra energy there. And so that's the, that's the first hormone. The second hormone is ghrelin, which is kind of the opposite uh, of leptin. And what ghrelin does is ghrelin, ghrelin is a hormone produced in the stomach. And basically it's when the stomach is completely done digesting. It is ready for the next batch of food, I guess, is the best way to explain it. The, the, the stomach creates ghrelin. And ghrelin levels go up and it tells the body, I'm hungry. Get some food. Increase food intake. So when you start, you know, when you are actually hungry, which rarely in America are we actually hungry anymore, unless you're a, unless you're somebody that fasts or someone that yeah. eats eats in bigger windows, right? You're really most of your eating is probably because it's um it's part of your daily habit or you're bored, right? But when you're actually hungry, this is this is ghrelin. Ghrelin can get messed up by here it is again, sleep deprivation. Ghrelin is also affected by stress. It's affected by obesity and your diet can affect ghrelin. Ghrelin stimulates appetite, which when you eat too much can increase fat stores. Ghrelin, if you have an overactive uh, ghrelin system, this generally shows up in abdominal areas and visceral fat, which a lot of people don't necessarily know the difference between subcutaneous fat and visceral mm -hmm. fat. I suggest if you've never gotten a DEXA scan to go get a DEXA scan because there's there's companies popping up in every big city now that do DEXA scans for a hundred bucks. And what your DEXA scan is going to tell you is it's going to tell you your bone density. It's going to tell you your amount of muscle mass that is on your body. It's going to tell you your subcutaneous fat. Then it's also going to tell you your visceral fat. And visceral fat is fat that's actually building up around the organs. So you can have someone that's that doesn't carry a lot of subcutaneous fat which subcutaneous just means under the skin. Yeah. So they don't carry a lot of under the skin fat, but they can have a ton of visceral fat built up around their organs. And when you have visceral fat that's built up around <laughs> your organs, it reduces your liver's ability. It reduces your heart's ability. It reduces your lungs' ability. It reduces your pancreas' ability. There's even a disease called fatty liver disease, which used to only be found in alcoholics, yeah. which they now are finding in people that don't even drink. But high sugar high sugar which so so sugar even though it's the same amount of calories as a protein or a fat carbohydrates have a totally different way of affecting and that's because of our next one which is insulin 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 resistance is probably i would say the leading cause all of these things work together so if you are 
extremely overweight or obese, you have all of these issues going on. But insulin, I'm going to say, is, is, is the first and most important one that probably likely got messed up. So what insulin does is insulin is created in the pancreas. Insulin regulates glucose metabolism. So glucose is the, the energy that your body burns whenever you eat a sugar, whether that sugar is fructose or sucralose. I'm sorry, sucrose. Sucralose is a non-calorie containing sugar. So it's a zero sugar sugar, basically. What's your thoughts on sucralose? Sucralose and aspartame. I am not a fan of partially for personal reasons, because what happens to me when I eat too much sucralose and, and aspartame or drink too much sucralose and aspartame, because if you think about it, your body is not digesting those, but it's still going in your body. So some, something happens in my system where that builds up in my pores and gives me cystic acne. And so I get big cyst acne when I have too much sucralose and aspartame. There's another one called xylitol, which xylitol is now because they, they, they're, they're speculating that it gives your, your blood almost a gummy stickiness. Ooh. And there's something that's happening from xylitol, which Quest bars, like all the things that we think are better for us have xylitol in them. Um, what about erythritol? So this is causing, sorry, that's the one I'm talking about. Not oh. xylitol, erythritol. That's the one I'm talking oh, okay. about. My bad. Oh, thank you. For There's that. a lot of stuff in there. That so that one is causing, causing more heart disease or equal amount of heart disease to obesity. Wow. So, so what's the best thing to do other than eating no sugar? Stevia. And stevia? honestly, it oh. could just be that stevia is not, it hasn't been studied enough yet to show us that kind of negativity. But as far as like if I'm having any sort of sweetened stuff, I really try to find stuff that's sweetened with stevia. Stevia is a natural, it's a natural plant. They grind up the plant and create a, and create a calorie-free sugar. Monk fruit, I think, is the same. Ooh, tastes like crap. It does not taste great, but oh. if, you're, if you're not used to having something sweet and you have you know, a stevia lemonade, it, it does taste sweet. Yeah. But the best thing is, and <laughs> I'm putting this out there even though I do not follow this as well as I should. What? The best thing is, is to just eat natural foods that are not sweetened. And I say that from somebody who drinks two protein shakes, who drinks two protein shakes that have stevia in them and a lemonade that has stevia in it every day. So like, I'm saying this as an asshole. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, I drink some sweetened stuff. I do. Yeah. What if you eat a lot of fruit or dried fruit? If you undried or dried, uh, both. Okay. Dried is a lot. Dried is worse than undried. Really? Yes. Because with dried fruit, you can consume so many calories in one sitting because it's not as much water content. So if you figure a handful of dried apricots yeah. is so much more calorically dense than a handful, than an ap- actual apricot, right? That's oh, going to fit in true, your hand. Yeah. That's true. So actual fruit, if you, if you are not somebody with metabolic disorder, mm-hmm. fruit should be your sweet thing. Because what happens is, and I explained this on the podcast with, with Dr. Sheila Carroll, is what happens is, is your body is not able to get all that sugar, even though let's say it's 30 grams of sugar in, in a bunch of pineapple, right? Yeah. That is not a 30-gram sp- spike. Your body can't just ram through that 30 grams and, and push it into your fat cells. Your body has to break down all of that fiber 
to get to that sugar to then use it as energy. So it's like a slow, grindy burn of sugar. For someone with insulin resistance or metabolic disorder, then it becomes a problem because for that same amount of pineapple, they're going to create a ton more insulin than a healthy acting person. So hmm. I'm not saying that that as somebody that that has metabolic disorder, which is metabolic disorder is an overall disorder that basically all of these things are fucked for you. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying you have to pick and choose what kind of fruits you're having. A pint of blueberries are going to be completely fine for anyone ever versus a mango or a pineapple or something like that. That's really sweet. You're telling me that this sucks. Come on. Yeah, I'm telling that's not good for you. But for you, it's fine. You, you, I, Organic dried mangoes? Come on. Yeah, yeah. For you, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, but it is. It's going to be a calorically dense handful of food. It, it, it just yeah. is, honestly. Um, but so, so, so with insulin, um, insulin helps your body create energy from sugar. So type 1 diabetics, their pancreases do not create any insulin. So when your body is not creating any insulin and you eat sugar, the blood glucose or the glucose goes into your blood, your blood sugar raises way up and you are not able, the, the body doesn't say use this glucose as energy. So your blood sugar just goes up and up and up. And then that's how you end up dying or with a seizure or, or anything from type one diabetes. Hmm. What type two diabetes is type two diabetes is we have we have we have fucked ourselves so bad and we have created such insulin resistance which means um our body doesn't no longer need 5 units of insulin to deal with that apple it needs 50 units of insulin to deal with that apple and so what type 2 diabetics is is you have jacked your system so bad that your pancreas cannot create enough insulin to deal with a normal amount of glucose type oh. 2 insulin or type 2 insulin Type 2 diabetes is 100% caused by your previous choices throughout your life. So. Makes sense. Insulin is affected by obesity. It's affected by your diet. It's affected by some genetic mutations, physical inactivities, and there are a bunch of, of medications that can cause insulin levels and mess with insulin resistance. Um, insulin helps regulate the blood sugar, which I already talked about. Insulin resistance, a condition known in which cells become less responsive to insulin, generally can contribute to accumulation of fat in the abdominal area. Um, glucagon is created by the pancreas. It works as a, in the opposite of insulin. It stimulates the liver to release the glucose stores. So we hold about 400 grams of, of glucose in our liver at all times. Well, I don't because I'm not, I'm fucking keto, so I don't get any glucose in my body barely. But um, right now. Um, but this tells the body, okay, we don't have enough energy right now. The body releases glucagon. Glucagon then tells the liver, hey, let some of that glucose into the bloodstream. Hey, let some of that glucose into the bloodstream. Um, glucagon doesn't really have any necessarily specific negative effects other than like diet exercise can, can cause glucagon issues. Cortisol is another one. This one is um, cortisol is created by the adrenal glands. It's involved with the body's stress response. Um, cortisol is extremely important. You do not want to take a cortisol blocker because cortisol is function. It, cortisol runs a ton of what happens to you during the day. Cortisol is one of the first things when you get up in the morning. Cortisol is what takes that adenosine 
that's in your brain that is making you sleepy and mm-hmm. it gets rid of it is the cortisol level goes up it and it deals with the adenosine so cortisol is good where cortisol is not good is when cortisol is chronically elevated so cortisol is chronically elevated which means chronic means all the time basically or regularly um it happens from chronic stress so if you're always in a stressful situation whether it be work family financials anything right if you're always dealing with stress your cortisol will be will be chronically elevated um sleep deprivation here it is again right you're not getting enough sleep your your cortisol will be chronically elevated obesity causes your cor- cor- causes your cortisol to be chronically elevated and with chronic stress and chronically elevated cortisol levels um it causes your body to store fat in your abdomen because cortisol increases the production of insulin. So here's another one where one affects the other one, right? Yeah. Um, thyroid hormones, basically all your thyroid, T3, T4, all of those are, are reg- they come out of your, your thyroid gland. And these hormones are the main regulator for your metabolism. So they tell your body to create cellular energy, which is ATP. Um, hypothyroidism which basically means your hyper your thyroid is hypoactive or underactive um you guys you guys can always remember hypo means under and hyper means overactive um these are really not affected by by a ton of 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 different things that you do other than stress will affect your thyroid and iodine which um if you 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 look at iodized salt right like yeah the modern American diet, if you don't eat iodized salt, if you're all, you know, if you take and replace all of your regular table, iodized table salt, and you replace it with pink Himalayan salt, yeah, there's a chance you actually have an iodine deficiency. Which you could take like sea kelp for. And, and yeah, which you could take a ton of different iodine based things. We just don't, we don't eat that kind of food in the modern American diet. No. Um, eat some seaweed. There you go. Some dried seaweed. Oh, seaweed salad. Come seaweed on, salad. Is yeah. it wet? I've never had seaweed salad. Is Are you it wet? Serious? Is it wet like it's seaweed? Wet, yeah. So it's literally like um the um you can get it anywhere. Really? It's like the the thick part of the the seaweed. Okay. It's, so it's almost like having a noodle salad but it's kind of crunchy. Okay. You put sesame oil on it. Okay. Stir it up, gets in your teeth and everything. But oh good. Sounds great. It sounds like wet spinach. Yeah, go go to a sushi bar and order a side of seaweed salad. All right. In fact, I think you can even go to the grocery store here at the little uh Little sushi stations. Okay. And they have, they'll have like a bowl of seaweed salad. Really? Yeah. Oh, fair. And any, it's one any of the best of, foods for you. And any of these things, if you can get it from a natural source, it's much better because we are only, and I talked about this on the on the, the Sheila Carroll podcast, but we only understand a small portion of the micronutrients that we need. Yeah. And and we can and, and these are just things that have been um seen in a lab, right? And we can put a vitamin D on it or a vitamin K two on it and we can label it. But there's a hundreds of thousands of other things that we are, that we need to get that we aren't getting. Right. Um, and then testosterone, testosterone, you might think of only as a male hormone, but testosterone is a male and a female hormone. It's just the male males have a ton more testosterone because it's created in the testes. Um, and f- most of it's created in the testes and testosterone is oh and created in the ovaries in women okay it helps build muscle mass and burn fat that's why testosterone is the first steroid that any any steroid injecting bodybuilder will get on because 
a normal testosterone level for a, for a grown male, I would say is about 600 to a thousand. Um, and guys that are injecting large amounts of testosterone weekly can get up to, you know, 2000, 2500, uh, which is a wild amount, but that's why they inject it because it builds muscle. That's what the main, the main thing does. Um, your testosterone lowers as you age. It lowers with obesity. It lowers with stress. It lowers with, um, when uh, sleep is another one, I didn't put sleep on here. Sleep is another one that, that causes low testosterone and low testosterone, uh, contributes to fat accumulation in the abdominal area. And it plays a key role to regulating body composition. Because the more lean muscle mass you have, the more calories your body is burning in just a regular day because that muscle is being used. Um, low testosterone could have you, make you have less muscle mass. Um, uh, abdominal fat. I guess that's, that's really realistically everything from that part of my notes. Um, the idea that I wanted to get through here is that there's this simple formula that, that everyone will tell you and it's calories in calories out. And yes, they're right. They're 1000% right. Calories in and calories out is how you either gain weight or you lose weight. But what they're completely ignoring is how everything that we do, including those types of calories, then change those two numbers. Because calories out is the calories that we're burning. All of these things that I talked about are regulated by all these, or these hormones regulate that calories out. A bunch of these things like ghrelin and leptin and insulin and all these things regulate what you want to eat. So yes, calories in, calories out is how you gain and lose weight. but if you understand these mechanisms and these different switches and levers, you're able to manipulate them so that you are burning more and you're eating less. Hmm. That makes sense. Very true. Yep. And then the last one's fatherless children, um, which we talked about with the, um, with the most recent podcast with Aaron. Um, these are some very specific, um, scientifically proven studies. Cause he mentioned the book that he, that he read. And I did not remember what that book was, but then I actually went back and found a bunch of the studies that, that all the books are referring to. Cause in the scientific community, basically somebody does a study, they post it on pub, they get it, they get it published. Once it gets published, it gets posted on sites like PubMed. And then a lot of these books are all written from the same study. It's just how the, how the author interpret it, interprets the findings oh, in the studies. Yeah. Um, so this is all uh, children that are raised without a father. And where we came from with this is how important fathers are. And then I kind of leaned into this one because of the socialism of fatherless nation. Because of basically the welfare system, socialism. The government basically giving everyone everything to where you don't need to have a dad in the household. So, um, children who grow up without a father are more likely to experience poor educational outcomes, including lower grades, higher rates of truancy and dropout, and lower levels of educational attainment. 
Um, one study found that children from father-absent homes were more than twice as likely to drop out of high school compared to children from two-parents' homes. Um, emotional and psychological well-being. Children who grew up without a father are at higher risk for a range of emotional, psychological, and psychological problems, including depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, and behavioral. Uh, an example from a study in 1994 found that boys who grew up in a father-absent home were more likely to exhibit aggressive and delinquent behaviors, which, when you think about uh, this, this false masculinity problem that, that you know, the, the media would like you to think that we have, um, right there, uh, aggressive and delinquent behaviors, that seems like more of a lack of men in their life rather than too much men in their life, right? Yep. yep. Um, Substance abuse, a one study found that children from a father absent home are more likely to smoke, drink, and use drugs compared to children from two parents' homes. Um, sexual behavior, another study um, found that adolescent girls from a father absent home were more likely to report having had sexual intercourse compared to girls from two parent homes, which um, I guess makes perfect sense, right? Because they don't have a father figure. So they're kind of looking for some sort of male attention, which I, I, you know, we knew those girls grow. I knew those girls growing up like, Oh yeah. You know, when they're, when the, when the dad's not there, they still want that, that masculine energy. They still have a drive that, that urge for a man and they get it from some, you know, piece of shit dude at school. Yeah. Not, it doesn't necessarily mean piece of shit, dude, but generally that's how it goes. Um, physical health. Uh, one study found that children from a, two, from a father absent home were more likely to be overweight or obese compared to children from a two-parent home. That's wild, um, including obesity, asthma, and chronic, other health, chronic health conditions. Just not having, a, not having a father in the home or not having a father involved, right? Because yeah. there's there's plenty of two par- there's plenty of s- separate two parent households that work just fine. Um criminal behavior. Uh one study found that boys who grew up from a father absent homes were more likely to be incarcerated as adults compared to boys than from a two parent home. Um economic outcomes Children from a father absent home are more more than twice as likely to be living in poverty compared to children from two parent homes. Uh, mental health. Uh, children who grew up without a father are at a higher risk for a range of mental health problems, including depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. One study found that individuals who grew up in a father absent home were at higher risk for a range of adverse childhood experiences, including physical abuse, sexual abuse. Household substance abuse, which were in turn associated with increased risk for a range of mental health problems. Um, Mm. Interpersonal relationships. A study found that young adults who grew up in a father absent home reported more difficulties in their romantic relationships compared to young adults from two parent homes. And brain development is the last one that I have here in my notes. Uh, Children who grew up in a father absent home had lower gray matter areas in the brain associated with emotional regulation and social cognition compared to children from two parent homes. So I really Ooh. rushed through that cause we, we, we were at like eight minutes to get through it, but Holy shit. That's huge impact. Huge. Fathers make. 
and the masculine portion of, you know, raising a child that I think is being downplayed by, you know, society and media today. And the war on masculinity with, you know, the push for, you know, trans community. I mean, you know what? I mean, if that's something that you're struggling with and boom, you know, you decide to be a trans, you know what? You can do that. You have the freedom in this country to do that. But I don't think it's right to sit there and now push this agenda onto everybody for what's really considered, what, a half a percentage of the population. So so what is, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's going on? Why is this happening? I think that extremism sells, no matter what. Extremism gets more attention. A podcast like you and I that are telling people to to try to organize their lives so that they're spending more time with their families, they are finding their mental health, they are eating healthier, they're moving their bodies, they're trying to grade themselves on a scale of all of their life, not just their financial income, all of these things that we're talking about, right? None of these things are extreme. Yeah, but it's we a, will not get the we will not get the crazy shares and the crazy up plays and the crazy um algorithmic, you know, bumps that somebody would if I sit here and said either thing on either the right side or the left side. If I said that if I said that the reason that transgenderism is only 0.05% 0.5% of the population is because people are scared and Bud Light is a is perfect for doing what they did because that is bringing this into the light and it's normalizing the fact that this is okay for you to feel that way and then really it's like 10%. That's an extreme point of view. That if I said that, which I just said it and somebody would probably fucking cut it and put it on somewhere. Um if I said that, it would it would boost the algorithm and it would go crazy and a bunch of people would would share it on the left. Or if I said that this is Satan's way of testing your mind because you are not, you have a mental illness and you should hate yourself for wanting to be a woman and you should go to mental, you know, reprogramming to show you how to be a man, then that would blow up on the opposite side. And those two extreme ideas, neither of them are right. The real, the reality is somewhere softer in the middle and it's going to be different for every person that you talk to but the middle never gets the algorithmic play and that algorithmic play is everything right now because the algorithmic play is it's the post that you see it's the text that you get sent it's the it's the it's the shit that gets forwarded to you it is the it is the stuff that makes the news because when something goes crazy viral it makes all the news not just the social media news but going back to the father's children i mean it's fatherless children are more susceptible to quite a few things yes and whether there's trauma or not in life what you know i mean this is my opinion and i think the opinion of a lot of people is that these are all tactics that basically are used to you know make weak society because if you have a strong strong family structure you build strong children right that become strong adults and strong adults are what less easier to mind fuck, right? Mind control. So the weaker you can make people, the more chaotic that you can make, the more dependent 
they need you know mental help right they need uh they need the drugs to you know regulate their mental health the more the easier they are to control so that's i don't know i mean i see the signs it's kind of like you look outside it's cloudy it's gonna rain right well i see the signs of you know our society being weakened uh, being you know this dopamine addictive dysfunctional chaotic you know society that's going to make it a lot easier to control and a lot easier to distract from what's really happening i mean where's my tinfoil hat i could put it on i don't have it here yeah and i think i i agree with you a thousand percent the only place is the only place that i that i come from a different angle is i don't think that it's necessarily one i don't i don't think it's I don't think it's being done specifically on purpose. Why would it be done then? I don't think it's being done. I think that it is a, it's a natural cyclical thing that happens um, and has happened throughout society for thousands of years as far as the life is hard, hard life weeds out the weak people hard people rise to the top hard people had it hard so they make life better once there's a once once life is good people don't have to go through as much the weak people are not weeded out the hard people do not rise to the top the society weakens as society weakens time becomes hard again and then the hard times which right now is where where we're headed. We've yeah. good, we've got good times with a bunch of weak people, and we are headed towards hard times. Yeah, and I think that the uh, to quote our you know friend Nancy Pelosi is you know guess what we'll take advantage of any crisis. That Ex- they can get, and right? that I think is exactly what is happening. Is I think that no no politician is going to see a possibility to uh to 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 further their agenda most of the time which has to do with their personal gain right their their legacy their family gain whether it be yeah. their ego or their pocketbook it doesn't matter both of them are a fuck are a, are a problem um they're not going to let that go they're not going to try to fix it and part of it is on purpose part of it is completely structural because we don't have a system that puts the right person in power for the job we have a system that puts the most popular person that raises the most funds yeah in the right job yep fuck well that's depressing all right on a final note it's gonna snow here in wisconsin this week after we just had like a a week of uh summer 85 degrees all week and now it's gonna snow all right, guys, I I think that we covered, you know, basically everything from, from A to Z today. Um, but I do want to say that, that a, a, a reel that I put up this week about um, fathers and the masculinity crisis uh, kind of went a little viral and a lot of people agreed. And, and there's a ton of comments and a ton of messages. Um, but. Dude, I really need to start. Uh, I also at... i want to I want to preface that with, um, holding hate for someone in your life, no matter what they did to you, only poisons your own mind. So if you are a single mother 
that is disgusted with the father of your children and how they're acting, if you hate that human, that is not going to do anything for your kids. It is not going to do anything for them. It is not going to do anything for you. You do not need to let them back into your life personally. You do not need to um, hold their hand, but just realize that anything that you do negatively is going to negatively affect your kids. And that includes talking negatively about the father of your children um, with your kids. And while you may see the, the devil of a person that they are, your child does not see that unless you point it out. And all you're doing by pointing it out is exacerbating the negativity of not having that father figure. So you don't need to hold them up on a pedestal, but you definitely don't need to put them down in front of your kids. I just want to add that. Cool. Good cool, man. All right. Solid.